And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Spike's Car Radio, welcome guys. Good to be with you. Uh, ben Clymer on the show today from Hodinkee. Um, he's going to tell us all about his acquisition of Crown of Caliber. He's also going to tell us about his uh, Zagato ownership and his uh, $100 million valuation on the company Hodinkee. Uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing story. It's good to hear from him, even though it's via Zoom. Uh, uh, a little program note for next week. Jeremy Piven coming back. Also via Zoom to promote his uh, new movie. Uh, I just happened to do that interview today, and it's super fun. We'll be posting that ne- next week. Um, but here, I'm now in uh, the Zuckerman hangar. Uh, here, somewhere in Beverly Hills. I can't tell you where. He's a very private human. Um, and I noticed Zuckerman on the way in here, and I think it's a result of this robbery that they had on Friday. There's a lot of police out there. Um, down on, have you driven on Olympic and Robertson? Of course. Did you, did you see that weird contraption they put up there? No. There's a giant flashing red light speed machine with about 30 different cameras on it. Take note of this next time you drop by. It, it looks like the type of thing that scans your face and your license plate. It probably does. And everything about you. Let me just catch up the folks who don't live in uh, L.A. here and let them know what happened. So in Beverly Hills on Friday... And, uh, you know, junior Rockford file sleuths, pay attention to the details of this story. Uh, there was a gentleman uh, who sells uh, watches, Richard Mill uh, watches in particular, and he was wearing a rose gold RM11-03 flyback chronograph. Uh, retail worth half a million dollars. Ooh. Would you ever wear that much on your wrist? I would. But it would, but, but it would have to be what I like. I sold you a gold watch once, remember? Yes. What, and you got rid of it. Yes. Why didn't you wear it? It didn't look right on me. It, I, I, I thought it looked great. I thought it really made you look like the man you were hoping to be someday. You know, I liked, I liked it a lot. But then one of the attorneys who worked for me liked it better. And because <laughs> I'm that kind of guy, he asked me to buy it. And I sold it to him. Do you know what these uh, Richard Mill watches look like? Does it even look like a watch? Look behind you. Look at the art behind you. I understand what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a- it's more abstract than what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. It's not, well, it's my opinion, not so good. But half a million dollars on your wrist? La, la, la. That's a lot. <laughs> That's, That's a, a lot, lot. That's a la, 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 lot. Um, I don't know what that means. After a brazen daylight robbery on Friday. Okay, here's the situation. There's this nice little restaurant, Il Pasteo. Um, outdoors, you can only eat outdoors on Friday. And uh, in this brazen robbery, this is from the article on Friday. And by the way, all are, all robberies are brazen. They're all brazen. Um, some gunmen walked up to this guy, grabbed the watch, and took off. Um, let me let me tell you the situation here, just so you know. And someone was shot. Uh, the jeweler, who I'm not going to mention, was sitting at Il Pasteo, a restaurant across from his showroom. So it's across the street. He saw three men in hoodies coming his way. No mention of what kind of hoodies. I'm a big hoodie fan, but I'd like to know that. One of them ran and pulled a gun from his jacket pocket, grabbed me from the back of my chair, choking me, and putting a gun to my head. Let me repeat that, Zuckerman, as, as you, Rockford, files this for us. One of them ran and pulled a gun from his jacket pocket, grabbed me by the back of my chair, grabbed me 
by the back of my chair, choking me and putting a gun to my head. Uh, his two friends, one of them is yanking my hand, the other is yanking at my watch. The robbers made off with the rose gold watch, estimated to be $100 million. Uh, the jeweler also said, I was fighting for- Did you say for- $100 million? I'm sorry, half a million dollars. Half a million. He was fighting for his life, not the watch, but he wound up with their gun. I can tell you. And then the gun went off and grazed a woman who was eating a salad. <laughs> a second a skinny person salad. <laughs> suffered minor injuries and some planters were smashed during the melee. There is a $50,000 reward for the return of the watch, but it's worth half a million. Or um, is it? And it's one of a kind. So where are you going to sell it? All right. It's a it's a crazy story, isn't it? No, it's not. You tell I, me I what's disagree. going on. Now, now, just so you know, these watches, um, I remember Rafael Nadal wears one. Aurora, Aurora Strauss, the racer who was on our show, uh, wears one. Uh, Pharrell and Drake, they're big. Uh, Farrell? Yeah, yeah, Pharrell. Pharrell. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Drac. And uh, Drac. Farrell and Drac, they wear them too. <laughs> yes. And then we had the Lady Gaga with dogs uh, Can I, attack. I, I could tell you. Go ahead. Lay it on me. I want to hear your opinion. Okay. And it is just Zuckerman's opinion. This is my... It's Please. the world. We have had, we have had for 25 years, a generation, we have been able to be safe with our wealth out in the public in L.A. People have grown very accustomed to being very safe, to nothing happening, and we're back to like maybe the bad old 70s in New York. Purse snatchings, chain grabbings, muggings, but that's where we are. And I'll give you a little background. Uh, if you recall a couple of years ago, there was a wave of house robberies, I smashing grabs. That. They're smashing grabs because it is now out there that people have this attainable luxury laying around all over the place. Watches, jewelry, and and a lot of houses were broken into. And now it's right up in the street. Guns getting stuck in people's faces and their watches and their and their valuables being taken. And I don't think it's a surprise. I, I'm not Do surprised you, did by Did you, it. like me, think, well, this wasn't this just about the insurance? Are there really hordes of people driving around with guns trying to get a one-of-a-kind watch they can't sell? It doesn't have to be one-of-a-kind. But if you're, if you're the proprietor of a watch and you're probably on Instagram and you're flashing, you're very publicly, in this world we live in, you are publicly showing your wealth, your swag. It's a marketing tool. You're on Instagram marketing this watch, that watch. We know. How, did, how did they know he was wearing the watch? Okay. <laughs> Maybe this, Ferrison. You I'm might surprised th- you're on this side of this. You might be far fetched. You might think I'm being far fetched, but I bet there are. You got the street level dudes, but then you got the guys above them that say, "Okay, there's this guy. This guy. He owns a watch store. Israeli dude, and and he's every day he's wearing something different. It's part of his marketing repertoire, <laughs> and he has never been ripped off before. And he goes out across the street to lunch." Or he goes here or there. I happened to see another video this morning, my dear friend, um, from a security camera where there was a gentleman who drives around town. He's got a G-Wagon. He's got a Bentley. He was uh, looked like he was coming from the gym, going to a parking structure. Somebody was waiting for him. 
guy dressed up like you know Spider Man in a hoodie with this whole outfit, <laughs> and uh, and he had a gun. Did Spider Man wear, wear a hoodie? Yeah. Well, he, and he got a gun shoved in his face. And him yeah, and his girlfriend yeah. were robbed from their watches. Right. So we. If you this the, grew out of the uh, Chicone's watch thefts yeah, of, of but the you, past, okay. But don't you know that? But I understand like a Rolex, which you can bury and no one's going to know. But there's one of a kind watch. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. Okay, That's whatever. All. But you realize in Europe for a long time, in Fran- in Paris, Rome, you can't wear a Rolex. This is what's happening. This is there's a ha- lot of street crime, right? Right, and guys come up to you. They're on their they're on mopeds, motorinas, and they yeah, and yeah. they put a gun in your face. Well, it's like Gamora. That's like yeah. Sabura. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe that's just so okay. Well, this is the world we're living in, Ferris. Then seems pretty some nice to me. Some people have tons of money. Some people don't. This is what Beverly Hills said. You know, we should talk to our friend, the Beverly Hills cop, and ask him privately about all this. To that end, the city's going to be adding twelve armed security guards. <laughs> Isn't that what police are? And Isn't six, that funny? And six marked cars to protect the city's downtown for the foreseeable future. I did notice the police presence on the way to your place here today, but but. But 12 armed security guards. Have you seen them? Aren't they, they police? What is the difference? That's a really good question. So the, so I'm, I'm wondering why the police need to have armed guards. But have you noticed them? They have, they have like white sport utility vehicles with these light racks on top. No. You haven't seen those? No, no. Yeah, they got them all over the wow. place here. Do you have an insurance story for uh, Policy Genius? Do you want to wait? I can do it second. I can do it first. I, I want to put you on the spot. What do you want to hear? All right. It's time for Zuckerman's Real Insurance Stories. Uh, have- sponsored by Policy our, Genius. Our sponsor, Policy Genius. Go ahead, Zuckerman. What's your real story? And All then right. I'll do the end. Well, I'll tell you. That, you know, people, again, we're on the point of people think that whatever they do, somebody's going to take care of it. So let's take, for example, you could go out to Runyon Canyon, or you could go to some nature area, and you might happen to see like a rope hanging off a tree, like a, like a rope swing. Yes. And you may see it over and over again. And then one day you may decide, you know what? I'm going to go up on that swing, and I'm going to swing like Tarzan. Okay? Yes. You were swinging like Tarzan, and you lose your grip, and you fall into the river. <laughs> Did this happen in Runyon Canyon? All the time. And you fall into the ravine, and your little body gets broken <laughs> like a bag of potato chips, like pretzel rods getting snapped in half. And guess what? There's no insurance for that. That's your own fucking fault. Don't do it. You're on public park land. And just because you see a rope there doesn't mean that that you've been approved to do that, that somehow the city is going to be responsible when you fall off onto your head. This happens a lot? All the time. But the city didn't put the rope up. Any, of course any, not. Any, I mean, any idiot it, can right? do it. So just because it's there. There you go. That's the lesson you need to learn. Don't be a dope. But if you are going to put a rope swing in your nard, Yard. That's a different story. You need policy, genius. Spring is springing as we speak, and it's the perfect reminder to quite literally get your house in order. Why not have a head start by revisiting your home and auto insurance with Policy Genius? They've saved reshoppers up to $1,055 per year on home and auto coverage. That's over $1,000 you could use on whatever home improvement project you've got your eye on. Here's how to get started. Go to policygenius.com. Answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then take Policy Genius. Uh, well, policy Genius will take it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers from Progressive to Allstate to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies together. So while you're gearing up for spring cleaning, don't forget to dust off your home 
and auto insurance policies with Policy Genius. Reshop your rates and you could save up to $1,055. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. I'm feeling very brazen. Um, I just want to point out I was right again about people leaving the state of California. Uh, the popular notion there was a mass exodus from California last year is wrong, according to research um, at a nonpartisan think tank. Uh, <laughs> it was a bullshit story pushed by the conservative media. It turns out lots of people did move, but they moved around California. They just moved to different cities. Let me ask you a question, Ferris. What was the point of saying everybody's moving to Texas? Like. I hope James Marsden, who moved from L.A. to Texas, didn't get caught up in that fake story. L.A. is always L.A., Ferriston. I said it myself. But there's another <laughs> He's sto- happy down there, by the way. He likes Austin. May but- I ask you a question? Yeah. Wouldn't you say that like when we sit around outside Bills, yeah. are we a think tank? Could we just qu- <laughs> be quoted as we're a, not, a nonpartisan Absolutely. and sometimes partisan think tank of Zuckerman and Ferriston? The Spike Scar Radio Think Tank. We are the think tank of this podcast. Yes. Yes, yeah. we're a thin Old tank. men solving problems that no one wants our input on. Or we could just come up with <laughs> erroneous information, like everyone's leaving in droves. We're a nonpartisan think tank, and we think everybody's leaving in droves. I like that. We should do that. Um, we're going to do some Dear Zuckerman in a minute, and I know some oh. folks wanted to hear that. I know you wanted to see these first, but I think you'll do better without it. Yeah. You just got to get a little uh, amped up. There's lots of Porsche news, by the way. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Zuckerman. Porsche considering entering F1 in 2025. Porsche, Porsche and the Volkswagen Group would consider entering Formula One if the next engine regulations due to be introduced in 2025 promote sustainable fuels, the BBC reported. Now, that's on the heels of that story that they've created some new kind of, like, Porsche man fuel. that <laughs> uh, Zero emissions. So, it kind of hedging that they don't want to go all electric. They'd rather make their own gas for lack of a better description now they're saying we'll even race with it with our own gas how, how the hell does that work <laughs> we we make porsche gas and you all we only we get to use it i want to know more about this mm. um do you want to see them back in formula one of do you course. even care That'd i don't cool. care that much but i would like to yeah sure if you ask me today yeah will i remember tomorrow no do you remember what we got last time they considered formula one what the carrera gt Oh, Remember they made that engine, decided right. not, and now it's in that beautiful car. Right. Was that was that engine for sustainable fuels or, no, or, that or was dinosaur earth, juice? Earth murdering <laughs> <laughs> German craziness. Um, but they're saying it's the uh, – it's funny. I, I don't see how any of these things are connected, but Formula One's governing body, the FAA, last year delivered the first barrels of 100% sustainable fuel made from bio-waste to engine manufacturers poo, poo. <laughs> for testing and validation. So Formula One's governing body is pushing this. That, that, that makes sense. What is this bio-waste? Is that, is that poops? Pee-pee poo-poo? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah, what is bio-waste? Um, someone will be DMing us tomorrow afternoon. with BDNSM, is that what you said? Yeah. Bio-waste. Not the only Porsche news, though, Zuckerman. Uh, Porsche has apparently asked boutique car manufacturer Singer to remove its latest off-road inspired 911 from its website since the automaker's name appears on the coupe without license. Shame. Singer Vehicle Design's ACS all-terrain competition study has been removed from the customizer's website following its receipt of a message from Porsche's legal department. According to Car Scoops, the issue stems from the embossed 
Porsche name lettering that adorns the rocker panels of the ACS as well as the Porsche sticker on the rear trunk lid. This is what Porsche had to say about it. We are glad to have a growing community of Porsche enthusiasts. They help us to ensure that so many Porsche cars originally built decades ago remain on the road and are still enjoyed, like Spike and Z's Zagato, a Porsche representative said in a statement. At the same time, I just added the Zagato part, but they did have to get permission. That does prove that Zagato had to get Porsche's yes. permission. At the same time, we have a responsibility to our customers to ensure that Porsche products designed and engineered by us can be clearly and easily identified. This can range from an individual component or piece of clothing using our name through two whole cars. We do this by allowing products created or directly licensed to carry the Porsche name. And as such, you can't use our name. What if he, the, what if he just deleted the S from Porsche and it was Porsche? Here's what I think. I think that all but seals, uh, you know, makes the case that there will be a Porsche 911 Safari car. And they don't want any confusion in the market. You think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Why, why else would they be so sensitive to it? Because the Singer car was pretty damn cool. You had, did you have a look at it? Yeah, yeah. It was great, but it's nothing like what Porsche's uh, Safari 911 appearance package looks like, at least in everybody's guesses and renderings, right? It's a completely different animal. Mm. It's a road car, really. More mm. uh, tilted more towards a Matt Faramobile. <laughs> but the other one is really a, uh, you know, take it through the Baja country right. wild man, right? Right. Agree. It's got to be, don't you think? Well, I never thought of it. You know, that's a, I, I got to say, that's a segment of the Porsche world that doesn't really resonate with me. I don't care about Safari cars. Won't they just beat us over the head with it until we end up buying them? Okay, they're capable of doing that, but I, <laughs> but I don't, but I'm, I'm not big on that. I'm not, you know, I didn't like an AMC Eagle in 1980. I wasn't big on, uh, and I've never really been about these car SUV S whatever. I'm not interested. I'm more interested in the Pablo Escobar Iraq car. A lot of folks sent that to us. Yeah. You saw that I sent it to Jerry this afternoon. Yeah. I know he feels uh, some regret over selling his car, the Revson. Big mistake. He should. He should. <laughs> I'll say it right here. He we made all a mistake. make mistakes. It is. He's coming out soon, and uh, we'll we do should. we'll do a show here. We'll we'll get yes. Jerry back. I know you guys want to hear him. He's got a lot to say. He's got a lot to say. Um, Been cooped up. Do you think he would actually pull? If, here's the first. You know, I don't know anything about the car. I it, I wasn't able to glean much from that article except for it is a pristine example. But I'm you know again. Do you really, the heads of drug cartels, are they that really the guys that take care of cars? Uh, okay. All of the, uh, <laughs> Nothing against think, you, drug dealers. <laughs> for me, it would be an appealing, it would be appealing history. For Jerry, I think not. He likes things that, that were raced by real race car drivers. I would prefer things owned by criminals. You, you would not. You would evaluate this the same way you and I would, Jerry, would all. We would start with the example and go, let's look at the car, what's original, and is it intact, right? You wouldn't just jump in, Zuckerman. Come on. It's a. I think it's interesting that it's Pablo Escobar, but you would want to know matching engine. It said it had only. Sure. Didn't it say it only had a few miles on it? Here, well, listen. If it's the real deal, I love it. Did you did you read what that article said? I don't ever read. I I, I form my own opinions, baseless opinions. I didn't read it. But I there's just one. Well, two troubling things. Uh, the words Pablo Escobar. Eh. Again, no offense to the family. 
or anybody Man. that might want to put a contract a out. Blood-soaked cough on a blood-soaked huh? company. <laughs> Never mind. What? <laughs> I, it's just the history, blood-soaked histories abound in the car world. I was, you know, and here I am reading The Border, yes. right? And I see what happens to people who go against the cartels. I, I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't think anybody from Pablo's <laughs> days is paying attention. International, raced and owned by international narco-terrorist Pablo Escobar. Okay, I think you missed something, Zuckerman, and I'm going to find it, and you can tell me what you think this means. Um, the 9-11 RSR went into storage after Escobar's death. The listing notes that making its way back to the U.S., it was restored to its original IROC Fittipaldi livery and body as Escobar had raced it with a 935 body kit. Zuckerman. What he, he he changed the body on it. Things happen. The odometer shows 225 miles. It's an exemplary condition. You know, the story doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't does make it? a lot of sense, right? He raced it, he changed it, it only shows 225 miles. When he when Escobar raced, were the police chasing him? I mean, was he ever in a, yeah. in a position where he was not being, you know, attacked? Let's see. The last time the special Porsche was raced, it was at Daytona, 24 hours and 78. How can it only have 250 miles on it? After which it made its way to Colombia, where it was owned and raced. So not re so he never came for the Daytona 500 by Pablo Escobar. Apparently, in addition to alleged Robin Hood-like dreams of helping his people out of poverty, the king of cocaine also had a thing for racing. He drove it in Colombia's Copa Renault 4, securing second spot after four races. Yeah, who's not going to let that guy win? <laughs> the guy who won is dead, hung from an overpass somewhere. I don't know. It's like that story. Remember the goalie of the Colombian team? They murdered him. He scored a goal on his own goal. Yes. And they killed him. Yeah. The car is listed uh, for sale by Atlantis Motor Group through Atlantis. the DuPont Registry. Well, we have the our well-known Atlantis Motor Group. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you feel confident? I'll tell you what makes me feel confident, Zuckerman. Harry's. We've got a new sponsor and we love them. They are Harry's. Too often we're choosing between quality or fair price with Harry's. You don't have to choose. They give you award-winning blades at factory direct prices. You know, they sent me the razor and shaving set, Zuckerman, and I was, uh, I won't say, uh, we had another shave sponsor. I won't say who they are. Um, and it's not Manscaped. We love them. But I, we had another shaving sponsor. This stuff is amazing. And what these guys have done, I had, a, I had a call with them two days ago, is they, you know, you know how we're getting charged for these razors by these other bigger companies, mm, right? Ripped off. Ripped off. These guys saw a little hole in the market for better quality and lower price and no gouging. And they sent me the stuff, and I swear pulling this thing across my face was next level. A next level shave, Zuckerman. I'm going to get you one because, I, you know, again, I love these guys. They're great. Harry's delivers a close, comfortable shave at a fair price, only $2 per refill. Harry believes in quality so much they bought their own factory. Guess where? Germany. <laughs> no, Germany. So they could own every step of the manufacturing process. Do you get it? They're German. German built, American made, some, some combination of those things. Harry's German Factory is one of the select few manufacturers in the world that have mastered the technology to create oh. the Gothic Arch, the gold standard for razor <laughs> blade grinding. 
the gothic arch. I don't know what it is, but you pull it across your face and you don't, it just... Do you think maybe the Atlantis group should market <laughs> the gothic arch? <laughs> anyway, uh, they get the spike stamp of approval. Go, uh, you get the Harry starter set there and you're going to get some free body wash. Uh, for three dollars at harrys.com forward slash spike 911 that's over a 16 dollar value for only three bucks how can they you'll, make money you'll get a five blade razor weighted handle foaming gel sh- uh, foaming shave gel travel cover travel size body wash it's an incredible deal but act fast while supplies last you got to go to harrys.com forward slash spike 911 to redeem your offer this isn't a code you just got to go to harrys.com forward slash spike 911 to redeem your offer it's three bucks come on i uh i used their body wash too i used all of it and uh i know you like these personal grooming stories zuckerman i got into bed um my wife walked in the room she goes why do you have cologne on what are you up to disgusting <laughs> and i said uh i don't have cologne on i have harry's body wash on she goes it smells nice ew and that's she, a horrifying story and then she just went to bed ignored me as usual but but at least i smelled good which that was progress progress in my house she still ignored you you of should course. have gotten the blue shoes ferrison why won't they why won't they let me sponsor them i want blue shoe stories i want to hear how you use the blue shoes and you were brazen Stop and you're giving ra- them free ads I want our listeners to say they don't. Blue, Blue Chew is not our sponsor. They don't like us. <laughs> Why? Because you described the, taking their pills through your penis hole, and it's it's not what was in the ad. <laughs> Isn't that how you take your pills? How do you dissolve it? No, it's teeth. Huh? My t- the, my you penis crunch it, teeth. But still, you've got some sort of powdery thing that could be caustic to your urethra. <laughs> Is it moist environment? It dissolves. <laughs> Let's do some Dear Zuckerman before we go, um, before we bring out uh, Ben Clymer here. How long? How much time do we have? All right, we've got a little time. A little bit of time. Not much. All right? These are real letters. Um these are real letters that were sent into Dear Abby, and Zuckerman is going to answer them his way. Uh, Abby had very thoughtful responses. Zuckerman does not. He has very horrible <laughs> responses. But again, I just want to emphasize these are real letters sent into Dear Abby. Dear Zuckerman, I suspect that something has been going on with my husband and our daughter in law. <laughs> <laughs> My husband has become obsessed with her, and they both seem to become nervous when they are around me at the same time. My husband is always checking to see when I'm leaving. My son and daughter-in-law and their three kids live in our duplex, but my son isn't home most of the day. Should I be concerned about what's going on with them? Everything is telling me something is not right. Worried in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, because in Wisconsin, <laughs> in, in Wisconsin, you bang your daughter-in-law, and that's what's happening. That's what happens in Wisconsin? Yeah. We know. <laughs> I did not know that. What do you mean? That's what happens in the backwoods there, Ferriston. So now I know what happens in Scotland. They, they're knifing people, and in Wisconsin, you bang your daughter-in-law. Let me daughter. just tell you something. If you, Ferriston, you yes. being an Ill- semi-illiterate person, yes. if you open up the Bible, and you went to Leviticus, uh-huh. you would see that this kind of incest is much higher on the list of prohibited things than anything to do with guy on guy or girl on girl. The likelihood 
of of the head of the household molesting his daughter-in-law oh was God. considered to be much more serious. This isn't than, a molestation. This is the, this is just them dating. Uh, they're not dating. They're fucking <laughs> Ferris. There's no dating. He's not right, taking right. her out to the Dairy Queen in Wisconsin <laughs> and buying her a milkshake. They're waiting for mom to leave. She should set Sounds a camera like up in the house. But you know what? If there's, if there's, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, in the bedrooms, and then she can see hanky panky, you know, uh, firsthand. And I would tell you something. What? Would, ca- what? What? You know what? If there's any doubt, there's no doubt. It's what's happening. Okay, there you go. You should be worried in Wisconsin. <laughs> all of you in Wisconsin should be worried. <clears throat> Check in the time here. All right, we're all right. We're all right. All right, dear Zuckerman. Wow, these are all kind of similar. I have been married for 26 years. Condolences. <laughs> <laughs> Five years ago, my husband gave a young lady $5,000 through credit card charges over a six-month period. We are not wealthy. When I found the charges in our credit report, he took a second job to pay it off. I don't think their relationship was sexual because he is impotent. It was hurtful. While he was taking this young lady shopping, he told me he was at work. Recently... I accidentally caught him going to another young lady's apartment to help her with things like hanging a TV. I don't care if he helps people. What I do care about is his sneaking around to do it. I have tried talking to him about why he feels he needs to sneak. He has no answer. What makes men sneak, Zuckerman, deceived in Kentucky? Well, I I can tell you something, Miss Kentuck. He ain't impotent except <laughs> except in your household. He's oh no, he, you're right. Yeah. yeah, he's not fucking impotent. He's slinging it around. He just has told you in an effort to keep you away that he can't get it up. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's obvious. You're he's, right. Yes. You've moved right through this one, Zuckerman. You're right. You see, it's there now. It's obvious. It's obvious. You see, you don't need to prep on these. You you've got right away. You you're, you, you this is your lawyer training. Your ability to see right through people. This is my sweet spot this is your you know yeah you have x-ray vision on human beings and their behaviors there you it go. must be honed over years of just sitting down with your uh, uh, clients and clients you don't take and seeing right well, through their Sherlock stories Holmes said <laughs> what the most obvious answer is usually true all right let's do one from a male reader <clears throat> dear zuckerman i am a male reader with a complaint <laughs> have you ever noticed that women hardly ever compliment men on anything, exclamation point, they expect men to compliment them, but never reciprocate. If you move furniture, take them out for a nice dinner, buy tickets to their favorite show, buy them a gift. They don't have enough manners or couth to say that thank you or express appreciation. Getting a compliment is like pulling teeth from a great white shark while he's feeding. Don't women ever think maybe I should say something to him instead of expecting him to say it to me? Where do they learn this behavior? Are they taught this growing up, or do they just not care or even realize? Shaking my head in New Jersey. Ned fucking Flanders. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, dude, you're really talking about one woman in particular, but you really have a self-esteem issue, right? You just have a self-esteem issue. You got a chip on your shoulder, of course. They're not going to compliment you. You probably are nothing to compliment them. You, you know... Don't you of, think it's better to expect nothing from your... Yes, because expectations of resentments on the construction, Ferriston, that's what's happening here. He does something with an expectation of praise, okay? Whatever happened to you in kindergarten or with your mother or whatever, it's not relevant anymore. Let it go. You're all right on your own. 
You want to do one more? I sure. got one more for you. Uh, dear Suckerman, <laughs> I enjoy babysitting for the children of family and friends, but while I have nothing to hide, I hate how everyone seems to have cameras inside. I feel like I'm in a fishbowl, and if I let their kids veg in front of the TV or the computer, I'll be judged as lazy. I also hate having my picture taken, so the idea of being on a live feed all day is off-putting. Do I ask them to turn off their cameras or stop babysitting? I can't be the only person who's uncomfortable being monitored all day. What's a good way of handling this? Monitored in Ohio. What are you doing to those kids? What, what is <laughs> I going? Say, I would say check your toilets for cameras. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're back to the first. We're back to the first problem of what's happening when I leave the house. Uh, you know what? You you know open your mouth if you 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 make it sound like you're doing these people a favor. The way you've written it, it sounds like you're not charging. If they're paying you, if they are paying you, then then that's one thing. You know, that's a different, that's, that's one set of dynamics. But if you're doing it as a favor and you don't like how it feels, don't fucking do it. Yeah, right? don't walk into the house. Yeah, you, no one says you don't do anything. That, that you, here's a general rule in life. But who's, but who's got cameras in their house? Do you have cameras in I your house? I have cameras in my house. Why would you want that? I wouldn't want that. And who's really looking at it? And no one's really looking at you. We all know no one's really looking at you. That goes for everybody. But you know what? This is a general rule in life, and it, and it goes for babysitting or having sex. If you don't like the way it feels when you're doing it, don't do it. <laughs> and if you don't like the way it feels when you're babysitting, don't do it. Okay? Just well, there do you it. go. There's... Or open your fucking mouth and say, I don't like that. I don't like That's it. What's... Real, this is real thoughtful advice, Zuckerman. It's not that thoughtful. It's just, it's just the way. Just say something. Why are you thinking about this? Why are people writing these letters? They're stupid. <laughs> what do you want me to say? They're weak and they're stupid. There it is. There's Dear Zuckerberg. <laughs> weak and stupid. Can't think for yourself, huh? If you have a question for Dear Zuckerberg and you want to be called stupid and made fun of, just send it in to Spike's Car Radio, uh, 3100. Donald Douglas Loop North, Santa Monica Airport. That's where you'll find us. Um, you know what? If you sell stuff online... You're definitely uh, in the right business. Um, most people are shopping online more than ever. That means a lot of orders coming in, a lot of orders going out, and you need to ship them. That's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. No matter how much you sell, ShipStation makes it easy to manage. Ship all your orders from all your sales channels faster, cheaper, and more effectively. Import orders from any sales channel. Ship with any carrier. Access discounted shipping rates automate just about any shipping task you'll spend a lot less time on shipping and a lot more time on growing your business doesn't matter if you're selling on amazon etsy your own website zuckerman.com ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface so you can manage from anywhere even from your cell phone here's what you do you got to use my code spike 911 you're going to get a free 60-day trial that's 60-day free trial Two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in Spike 911. That's ShipStation, S-H-I-P Station.com. Enter the offer code Spike 911 for two free months, and you will make ship happen. You know, I chatted with our friend Ben Clymer Zuckerman. Mm-hmm. We had a nice chat, as I mentioned before. We uh, discussed the future of watch collection. We discussed the acquisition 
of Crown and Caliber and what they're going to do there. We discussed their $100 million valuation, which I believe is just the beginning for this company as they stole the world's watch business. And now Benny Clymer has it all to himself. From zero to hero. We discussed discussed his his cars, the things he's buying, what he's acquiring. Um, and the fact that uh, that those emails he sends to e- any of us, we forward to each one of us. There's no secrets between me, you, and Jerry. Yes. So be careful. Um, and we know everything that's going on with him. Um, here's my interview with Hodinkee's Ben Clymer. <laughs> what, what, what are you watching? I'm watching... Uh, the NHL's Sean Avery busting a man's car mirror in a heated altercation. How <laughs> that are sounds you, about ben? right. That, that feels on brand for you. <laughs> I was just marveling at the stories on TMZ this morning, uh, which I don't check in often, but it's, it's it's making me laugh at the things they're covering. That was the third one that I went, huh? <laughs> Moonshiner star Lance Waldorp is dead at 30, and it's a photo of a very, very overweight man. Um, and you go, well, there's no surprise. Uh, gorilla glue woman, cancer scare over. Now, here I was. I didn't know that she even had a cancer scare. So, uh, Nor did I. Nor did I, I. I'm kind of behind do. on the times. But apparently, <laughs> gorilla glue woman, her cancer scare is over. So that's we're breathing Thank a goodness. sigh of relief. And then I was down to uh, <laughs> that story <laughs> of the NHL psychopath breaking off the mayor of what appears to be a nice Uber guy. How are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I was just off a, com- a company wide like all we have all hands meetings, which is like a very corporate thing that we now do. Uh, so just checking in with with everybody on the team. But now I'm here with you, and I'm in a, in a good spot. Is that was that uh, is that what happens? I d- I did the same thing. I'm coming out of a writing session with a bunch of comedy oh, nice. writers. Uh, that was forgive. probably a lot more fun than than, than my call. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It was it was actually a very good call. It's you, when you're in your element, you're having fun with your people, oh, and I imagine the Hodinkee people are your people. Um, they are my people for sure. Well, that's good. Let's start. Let's start with Hodinkee and its success because yeah. there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, sure. I uh, in my research came across this article about how to build a hundred million dollar e-commerce and media empire <laughs> by founder Ben Clymer, where I yeah. learned. The valuation for Hodinkee is a hundred million dollars. Congratulations! Uh, How thank, much of that you. is yours personally? Very, How much? very little. Very like, little. Too, too little for sure. <laughs> <laughs> too too little. Uh, but live and learn, right? No, it's but, uh, you know obviously humbling, r- ridiculous in every way. We've known each other for many years. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's absurd for sure. But I'm, I'm I'm very very proud to say that we're we're, we're doing pretty well right now for sure. Um, just because. You know, I think your brand is just emerging. Um, those, of course, in the know, like me, and a lot of my listeners know who you are and what sure. Hodinkee is. Yeah. But tell the story again how you founded what is going to be. I'm sorry I've got workers backing up here occasionally. I'm going to no have worries. to. I'll mute it. Maybe I'll just let me close my door. These are, sure. the, these are the Mark Marin moments of the podcast. <laughs> Is a guy with a giant forklift going down the driveway. <laughs> Why do they have to be so loud, though? So, you know, are, are we trying to notify the deaf, or could a, <laughs> a much lower decibel beep just go beep beep? beep. 
<laughs> would, we, would we hear it? Why does that take? Bop! Bop! Anyway, um, Hotinky. Yeah. I love the story of how it came to be. Tell us yeah. quickly that story. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of kind of absurd to even kind of mention at, at this point, considering what you just mentioned about how, how kind of how big it is now. But I mean, it was really a homegrown blog. I mean, I, I really I was working in finance, which, you know, I doubt you've ever been a part of, but it's fucking terrible, as, as you can imagine, mm-hmm, or at least for mm-hmm. somebody like me. And I wanted to be a writer like I wanted to be like a journalist, basically. Uh, and so I, my grandfather had given me one watch. I had one Omega Speedmaster that it was his watch, and I wore it every day. And I just, I like watches. I like the internet. I like to write. Uh, you know, I was early on a platform called Tumblr, which was really big in like 2008, 2009. But and correct, I started me, write- correct me if I'm wrong. You were laid so, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. You well, were laid you know, off. I mean, yeah. And they said we want you to stay in the office for a year. You can be in your office, but. So I I was laid off after that, effectively. So basically, it was something like, hey, you know, this was the this was the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, which is similar to where we were a year ago. You know, like things were just like, hey, we're just going to like hit pause on everything, you know, like literally everything. And and I had just joined the company and they had promised me I was 25. They had promised me like a salary of like 100 grand and a bonus and like, you know, stuff that were like, it's hard for me to fathom. So I was like, all right, whatever. And they said, like, we just hired you. There's this there's this, you know, kind of, you know, recession going on. So just sit tight. And so they were like, all right, like, we're not letting you go yet. We're not doing anything. There's no downsizing yet. Like, just come in and bide your time, basically. So I did that. Uh, and so while I was doing that, I was just hanging out, looking at watches all day on the internet. Um, and, you know, back then, vintage watches were a thing, but they weren't really a thing. Uh, and so I started going to these sales, antiquorum sales, which is like this big, was this yep, big watch yeah, house, sure, sure. house. And this was like the first time that like the, like, actually the very first sale that was meaningful to me was Gandhi's Zenith Pocket Watch, which like today would be worth <laughs> like you know i don't know three hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars and it sold for a lot and i was like oh wow like why would gandhi's weird zen pocket watch sell for a lot uh, but you know what, what does he need a pocket watch for gandhi that's what i'm saying and it, but actually it actually came with his sandals and like the infamous glasses the i understand glasses. the sandals but the pocket yeah. watch seems a yeah. little much for gandhi right gotta tell the time, gotta tell the time. <laughs> what else did and he then, have <laughs> yeah exactly his, his uh, switchblade gandhi switchblade comb <laughs> did he also have one of those <laughs> i mean it was it's like it was just such an absurd thing that like yeah. Gandhi's Zenith would sell. I forget what the value, but I think it was like seventy grand, something like that. Right. And then came shortly after that came Steve McQueen's Rolex, and ah. it was like, oh fuck, you know. Even back then, this was twelve years ago plus. Steve McQueen was still Steve McQueen. Like you know, everyone idolized him even back then, even before like the hashtag menswear world came to be. And that watch sold for like two fifty, and in the same sale. One of his Monaco's, the Hoyer Monaco, sold for like seventy five, or you know, don't quote me on the numbers, but like a lot of money for a Hoyer. And I started writing about it and GQ contacted me and was like, hey, like, you know, you're you're writing about watches we've kind of never heard of. Like, you know, there was no such thing as anybody covering vintage watches at scale back then. Uh, do you want to write for us? So I started writing for GQ and Esquire and, you know, other places. Uh, and then I went to journalism school um, in New York and did that for two years. And then, you know, the, the blog just got more and more popular. And then sooner or later, we had people wanting to buy us or invest in us or whatever. And now, now here we are. Now You're worth $100 million. Yeah. And oh, you've yeah, effectively <laughs> stolen the department store watch business. Wait, did journalism school help you in any way? You know, did it, did it help you give you yeah. tools to write or did you already know it? Uh, I mean, look, it, it, it gave me a certain level of confidence in myself and certain level of confidence in, in kind of, you know, my my role in, in the New York media landscape, if that makes any sense. Like, Fair. I was lucky enough to get into a good one. I went to Columbia. And like that, you know, and you have to remember, like, blog 
to the Swiss, you know, who is most of our counterparts in this industry, is really a four-letter word, like literally and figuratively. Like, you know, this was like, oh, a blog? Like, no, ugh. you know, just like they, they spoke down to, to me and all digital folks with such disdain for, for so long. And like my only ammunition to counter them was like, okay, sure. Yes, it's a funny, it's a blog with a funny name. But by the way, I'm going to journalism school at like a, a pretty good place. Like, you know, I'm not a total idiot, even though you might think I am, you know? Um, so in, in, in that regard, it, it, it did serve its purpose for sure. And I'm still involved there. And I still, you know, I still know those guys. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing program. Wow. So, and now here you sit, Hodinky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is, is, you know, and what I was trying to get at is it's just not mainstream yet, but it's clear it, to me, it's going to be like the word target. Or Kmart. So, like, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, not not, not retailers like that, but a known yeah, yeah. name like that, because yeah. as these, you know, these these Goliaths, even like a Neiman Marcus, these kind sure. of old maids of retail, kind of brick yeah. and mortar with uh, tons of stuff you don't want. Here comes, you know, a site like Hodinky that's focused. It's intelligent. The writing's good. The focus yeah. is excellent. The goods are everything we want. It's aspirational, but there's, it's also affordable at times, right. and it speaks to the uh, curated gentleman that Zuckerman and I will never be, and, and <laughs> you, you are yeah. kind of that. <laughs> We're approaching that. We're approaching it, we but million. <laughs> yeah, it's our fantasy of who we want to be, and you know, I, I don't know, 100 million just seems low. It seems like that's where this, th that's where this great story starts, um, and I'm I impressed, and I just want to say congratulations, and uh, so... You know, I noticed uh, recently you acquired Crown and Caliber, right? Yeah, we did very recently. Now, now that seems like, hey, Hodinkee wants to be in the pre-owned watch biz. And yeah. perhaps instead of, you know, uh, calling the kids and saying, let's do this all over again, we've yeah. got this great company over here with people we like and know. Why totally. don't we acquire it? What is the, what's the plan? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think you nailed it, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, in fact, I know you know the guys at Crown and Caliber very well. I do, well. yeah, like, very well. Yeah, they're 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 incredible. I mean, it, it really, you know, it, it's so seldom that 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 I that we look around the watch industry and identify another player that like has the integrity, has the intelligence, has the data, has everything you want in a in a digital kind of native brand in the watch space. And so, like, okay, like they, Crown and Caliber really had it, they, and and they had we had been so impressed with everything they've done from the beginning and hamilton the founder and i have been friends for years i mean we we told i think we mentioned this in one of the stories but like we had dinner together in 2015 right around the corner here in soho and we talked about merging back then and we we're talking six years ago wow. and you know neither of us were ready we had you know nobody we were fucking kids we had no idea what we were doing but like we this was always in the back of our mind and then you know pre-owned is like resale and retrade and pre-owned is like that's the future of, of everything in many ways right you see it with sneakers you see it with cards you see it with cars um and look i mean we we needed to be in that space we wanted to be in that space and we just said hey like let's do this deal together and you know mm -hmm. hamilton is, is still with us of course and you know all the the team in atlanta are all still with us that's who i was just on the call with before and like i i think we're gonna i think we're gonna do great things there's a long way to go i mean integrating you know, a massive office in Atlanta and an, an office in New York, two very different cultures. Like, you know, they are pre-owned, which caters to a very different audience than ours, which is full price every day. Like, there's no discounts at all. Um, but like, it, in many ways, I think we've got the best of both worlds now. 
How do you separate that out? I mean, are you going to call it Hodinkee? Are you going to change Crown and Caliber? Or uh, look, Crown and Caliber has has its own base, and like people people love it. You know, like we don't yeah. want to mess with success. Uh, right. I think that there will be ways to integrate and work together for sure. And we're like Hodinkee is now selling a very small number of pre-owned watches on our site once a week that come from 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 their inventory, our inventory down there. But it's a, it's a super strong brand, and I think look, we'll, we'll take everything as it goes and, and be dynamic about it. But you know, we we have a lot of respect for what they built, and they're they're running a great business as is. So. We, we're not well, going like anything. when you talk about that, like you're saying, like we have a, a 1680 with a red Submariner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, will that automatically go to Hodinkee's vintage site rather than stay on Crown and Caliber? Is that the yeah, idea? Probably. You know, I mean, the thing is, like, our, our Hodinkee was never set up. Like, we we are really like we're like we, we have official authorized dealership contracts with these brands with tag Heuer, with omega whatever like our product comes from these brands directly like it's all brand new it's very easy you know it's 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 hard to get there but it's easy once you have it and crown and caliber has a very different thing where like their job is procuring product from people like you or just people on on the street um and so you know they have such they have so many more inbounds than we will ever have Mm-hmm. And they get stuff that like just doesn't make like uh, you know a 1680 red sub or a Paul Newman Daytona or you know some big vintage watch or Patek or whatever just doesn't make sense for their platform. It's just not who they are. But it might make sense for ours. And, and in that case, we can really leverage each other for sure, and vice versa. You know, I mean, there right, is a right. massive audience of people that want you know uh, a, a nice Omega or Breitling for 4,500 bucks that you know they just want a cool watch. Yeah. Um, so we hope to work together for sure. I, I, I think that's smart because I notice you know as you know I'm one of their ambassadors as well as one of yours, but um, mm-hmm. I. You know, well, when I want to wear something different that's not in my collection, I go there and they're nice enough to give it to me for a month and I sure. do a couple posts and I talk about it. Um, I do notice that the kind of juicy vintage stuff that they acquire lingers on that site yeah. because when I think of juicy vintage, I think of Hodinkee. Right. right. And that same watch, when it's on your site, is going to be like, well, now I know Ben and his crew have yep. vetted this watch and I can rely on it and trust it. Now I'm yep. going to buy that red line sub there here. Right. I'm not so sure. These guys <laughs> yeah. are geniuses at getting me a, a watch that's below what I might have paid unless they've of course gone up, but something yeah. pre-owned and new that I, maybe I'm buying out the, de- I'm enjoying some of the depreciation and sure. or, you know, I know they've appreciated like new Daytonas, but they have a few of them for me to choose one and I can get one quick. Right. That's exactly it. it. It's really totally separate audiences. I mean, like yeah, it, it's, it's really kind of amazing how, how different the audiences are, even though we're like, you think the watch world is very small and it is right. Right. Like, totally, totally separate kind of buying patterns for, for both of our consumers. So now when uh, are we, when are you and I going to do this with cars? When are we getting together to go now? Let's do the car thing. So I mean, what do you think's going on in the in the car? Like, what do you think of Bring a Trailer being acquired by Hearst? Doug DeMuro's got his thing. What do you think of all this stuff? Well, I, well, I was reading that Doug is doing very well. He's selling sixty cars a week. Chris Harris is. I don't know what's going on with him in England. Bring a Trailer. Yeah, they sold that company. I heard the number. I was impressed. It's sure. uh, up there with your number. And mm-hmm. congratulations to Randy Randy Nonnenberg. You know, I I just you said something so interesting. This the pre owned market of everything. The larger picture for me is the the opportunity of online and the internet, and maybe this is obvious and you guys have known it forever, is these Goliaths of brick and mortar, you can just go steal their business right now. You can become (laughs) their business online by curating, being focused, adding some sort of content to it, writing, uh, film, you know, and being a destination not just to buy things, but to maybe read a couple articles um, maybe get some feedback and then, you know, 
either shop for something new and old. So, you yeah. know, uh, bring a trailer, stole the auction business. They stole uh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. It was yeah. just sitting there. Yeah. They were the ones to go, hey, if I want to buy a vintage car, why do I have to wait till August and go to Monterey? I don't even know where that is. Carmel, that's more. <laughs> How about right. I look when I have a little extra money and yeah. they curate the cars a little bit and make them affordable? And boom, yeah. there they go. Doug DeMuro. It's like, we love Doug DeMuro. We love the way he presents cars. He's got his yeah. own little pocket. And Chris Harris has kind of the higher price classic cars. You know. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It's really it, it, it is, and I, I think I think what what is is kind of connective about all the, the the folks that you just mentioned, including ourselves, is like look like you know Dave Gooding, RM, all these guys like they are amazing, and they will get world class cars forever. But what they don't have, and that what Bring a Trailer certainly has, or we have, Doug has, etc., is community. Right. Like we know, we met each other through watches. And like if I'm looking at a, a watch or you're looking at a watch, you can text me and say, hey, what do you think about this? The, the goodings of the world who, again, I'm, I'm a client of and adore RM, et cetera. Like there's no community at all. In fact, their entire business is based on separating people. Right. Like they don't like, you know, I bought a car from them. Like I found out later who actually owned the car and now I know him. But like, you know, they, their business is literally about keeping people apart. Yeah. Whereas yeah. bring a trailer is about bringing people together. And I, would I think say like that, that is just a more holistic. I don't know. I think that I would disagree that they do have community. It's just this community is only together in the tent. <laughs> like when you go to a gooding event, it's super fun. And yeah. you know, you're like, oh my God, where have you been? It's a yeah, big no, class totally. reunion event and that's their community. But the, what, what I think you mean is that the community doesn't interact every other at day. All. It's three times a year. You're in Arizona, you're there, maybe you're at Amelia, and that's it. And yeah. if you don't fly there, you can't really interact. So, yeah, they're yeah. they're all playing catch up to you, you know. Well, yeah, what I mean, you're it's doing. funny. It's like, look, the, the, the biggest fear for any vintage car buyer or any vintage watch buyer is like, oh, shit, you didn't know that, like, those hands were redone or you didn't know that, like, this isn't matching right. numbers or whatever. And on Bring a Trailer or Hodinkee or anything like that, like the community will will, will identify that. It'll self police right, right. say, this is not original transmission. Like, this yeah. is not original engine, blah, blah, blah. And at the auction houses, yes, they'll tell you, of course, but it's not like the community helps you figure that out. And I think that's the big difference there. The community and the owner. Um, right. But still, you know, you hear about those deals going sideways, but I think that's just sure. part of the price of doing business. Um, you know, not long ago, uh, I got an email from our uh, mutual friend, Jerry Seinfeld. Sure. And uh, he sent me some of the cars in your collection. He goes, look what Climber's up to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, we're doing okay. We're look, doing what, okay. look what he's doing. Uh, and he started, uh, and I won't share them unless you want to share them. But it, you've acquired some cool cars here. Well, that you, that you've you know, got going I, I, what I, do you want to talk about? That, uh, what do you not want to talk about? You've got well, some I mean, beautiful like, things. We we share we share you and I share the three fifty six Zagato. So that that has to be talked about for sure. Let's talk about the Zagato. All right. So, I mean that that car to me. I, first of all, I, we haven't really spoken that much about it. How do you and, and Zuckerman kind of view that car in your collection? It is a crown jewel car uh, that is only taken out uh, for special occasions. Uh, That is the star of of the collection. Yeah. Wildly popular. That we had insanely popular. That we had to work very hard to get it there. Uh, So we are we consider ourselves the fathers of the car along with. The Zagato Company and John sure. Wilhoit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the which is the diplomatic way of saying it was beautiful, but it didn't work right when we uh, got it. it and there's some experience. resentment towards Zagato yeah. for you know not making us whole uh, on the money we had to spend after the car was delivered. Yet yeah. it doesn't 
diminish our love for this thing. So exact same experience, exactly the same. I mean, that car, everywhere you go, people just stop and are in awe of that thing. If they know what it is, they're blown away. Most people think I'm you when I'm driving around town. Like, oh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, but but uh, how did you get how did you get your car working right? What did you have to do to your car? So I, I, I brought the car in the summer, actually the same summer as you. Uh, and I it was in, New, you know, I'm up, up here in New York. And I'm driving it around. I'm like, this just doesn't like the transmission is super soupy. I mean, way, way more yeah, yeah. soupy than a normal 356, which I've had. And so I had the transmission done in New York and Westchester before I, I drove the car to Pebble Beach, just like just like you did. And so I drive it. I send it out to, to L.A. and we're going to drive up with some friends to, to Monterey. And about halfway through the trip in San Luis Obispo transmission blows i mean like just gone can't, like, can't go forward can't go back and i was like you gotta be fucking kidding me like i waited for this car for like three and a half years you know uh and so i found this guy his name is, you know what i'm gonna look it up while i'm on the call because i want to give him a proper shout out this guy okay. saved my life this guy Franz from san luis obispo <laughs> dropped my engine fixed my transmission in 24 hours like dropped the dropped the whole thing wow. did the whole thing and my friend saved my trip. is the mayor of San Luis Obispo. Should I have <laughs> true? her write up some sort of accommodation to him? I mean, honestly, yes. Like, I, I would give this person a medal if I could. Let's do that. Um, and what so a guy. He, uh, incredible. And, like, you know, just he's like a real you know, hardcore Porsche mechanic. The odds of me breaking down within five miles of this guy's shop was just like it was yeah. know, somebody was looking out for me. Uh, so he fixed my car in San Luis Obispo. Uh, and then I drove it on to Pebble Beach and drove it around there, et cetera, et cetera. And then went on beyond that and went up um, to um, north of San Francisco before I shipped it back. So then when I got it back to New York, I was like, hey, we got to let's like go through this whole thing. And, you know, I basically redid the entire engine on Weber carbs just for my own interest you know and just, right, just right. kind of made a little bit more and now it's a now it's rock solid it's actually yeah that's that, that's what we did too yeah they were you know uh, Zagato and they knew it, they I think on this next round of cars I've heard they're going to be sending to a master mechanic a restorer a restoration expert Peter yeah. Ivinson I think is his name does that okay ring a bell he, that's like a he's a four cam expert yeah yeah he and yeah. he can put in one of these repro four cams or got it what what i think their mistake was and what they realized too late was they were farming out the mechanicals to local porsche shops right like that's and they exactly were they were known and you know john uh will hoyt knew exactly the shop and they were like well wait they did it <laughs> right <Yeah>. so <laughs> when we came back john was like here's what i would have done here's what let's do yeah. you know we discovered our engine was a super 90 he goes why don't you rebuild it he goes this is just you know zagato didn't run the uh vin number of your matching number engine right. it's a super 90 right right yeah. What you're not at the right horse, bro. Let's let's do this right. So we yeah. we spent a year getting it right, yeah. and it was worth it. It you know the the creation is unlike you know anything that I've ever driven before. It's reminiscent of these Carrera Abarth Carrera GTLs, sure. where yeah. all twenty are different. When I look at your car and I look at some yeah. of the other cars in Europe, and the story is the same. The Italians got some stuff right, <laughs> and then like with the Abarth, they farmed it out to a bunch of different. Uh, uh, you know, coach builders, and and they all did different bodies, and everything is yeah. messed up. That the my the moment I forgave Zagato a little bit was when Leno. I was telling him this story. He said, "He goes, geez, you know, with the Italians, I'm surprised you even got a car. Usually, they just take the money and run." <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, "Oh, I, yeah, I guess you're right." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, they're they're a bunch of thieves." Yeah. <laughs> and I went, look, "Well, I, yeah, that's that's kind of half right." But you know, yeah, I, I mean, look. Okay. It's part of the charm. It is. 
It, it you know, it, it was painful for us. But moving forward in car history, these cars are all special, you know, whether we keep them or not. And it's going to be a funny, a funny beat of history. And I'm glad that you and I are talking about it. So it's documented somewhere and somebody can yeah. hear, hear about their car maybe 100 years from now. And yeah, go, exactly. This is why it works right. Um, and I think what's so interesting is like, look, Zagato is a coach builder. Like that's right. the actual definition. They're not a mechanic. And I mean, if you yes. look at all the cars, like the Alphas and the Ferraris yes. are from the 50s and 60s, they weren't they weren't touching the engines. You know, they were just building bodies. And so that's why I kind of give them a pass. Like, you know, they are not supposed to be good at at, at putting together an engine or whatever. Right. The body work is spectacular. I mean, the panel fit's amazing. The fit and finish is incredible. Like, they, they nailed the importance. The design is the important oh, thing that they nailed. It's remarkable. It's like, uh, and it, it was there the whole time. You know, it's like Kaiser Sose. I was, <laughs> I remember reading the very first email that uh, Paolo sent going, this is great. And then I remember looking at the mechanical going, well, that's a picture of a really nice, clean engine. Yeah. I guess that, means they're going to do engine rebuild from Correct. scratch but nowhere in that contract did it say that it 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 and i let it go i didn't I, yeah. I don't know what i did in the next moment but i moved on past it but that was the moment my brain was going wait a minute digging on the mechanicals here <laughs> you know maybe you know and what i would have done is to say hey get the body right get the donor card let's send the whole thing out to long beach and let it get yeah. assembled by john wilhoyt because then oh. i and and I I believe that's what they're doing with this next round of Pete Iverson. I've heard they're selling Z, uh, Zagato if it's not already sold. Have you heard that? I, I I haven't heard that. Somebody mentioned it to me recently. I think because you posted it, but I haven't yeah, yeah. heard that. But then again, like you know, I'm not. You know, I love Zagato cars. I have three of them, but I'm not I'm not in the loop with them at all. So I right. you know, I can ask maybe, them. But maybe I, that's I why they didn't reimburse us. They're you yeah. Know, they, they don't <laughs> exactly. want a scandal. Exactly right. <laughs> but I'll, I'll connect with the new owners. <laughs> send, them, <laughs> send them my check. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. This is great. Let, let me talk about uh, before we go, because we're almost up in time. Um, sure. What are the what are the stuff? You got this Zagato, right? Yeah. So I've got so I've got the. What the, else are you acquiring right now? Well, I, a car that is, is probably very appropriate for this platform is I bought... So, you know, I used to own Jeff Swartz 65 uh, 911, like the white 65 911, which oh, was in LA, right, Jeff's right. car. I had that for about three years, and then somebody approached me, do you want to sell it? Sure. Moment of weakness. I regret yeah, it. Yeah, why not? So, I wanted to find another early short wheel-based car, so I found an amazing 67S. Uh, which is, look, it's a white car, but a little bit more jacked up, and it is spectacular. I mean, it is really, that's probably one of the cars that that, that Jerry was talking about. It's an Aga Blue car, totally look, original paint. I'm looking at it, yeah, yeah, It's wow. a killer. It's a real killer. And so that car is from Massachusetts. Oh, it uh, lived in L.A. for the majority of its life. Basically one owner for over 45 years, fully documented. It's a killer. It, I mean, that car, I really just got it in the fall, so I'm just starting to drive it now that the weather's breaking. That is a perfect car. It, it really, really is. Is that original paint everywhere? That's, that is original paint everywhere. Wow. Look yeah. at some of it. And where in Massachusetts? So that's a really good question. I forget. I'm going to say Warren, Massachusetts, All but right. don't quote me on that. Uh, but a dealer up there called Auto Engineering, which is no longer around. Um, but I mean, the, the stack of documents are like this. I mean, it's everything, everything from like, you know, the owner of it got uh, an emissions ticket in LA in 1992. I've got this, I've got the summit, like I've got the, 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 the citation. Uh, I also have the work that they did to fix it. Like I've got everything on it. And it's the original the owner of it is still around. He, he, he went is. back to Europe, but he's like, I've talked to him over email. And that's a big thing <clears> for me is like being able to piece together the histories of these cars. And so my, my Alpha Zagato, which I think we talked about last time, I'm not sure 
was originally owned by Johnny Bulgari of Bulgari, who I know over email. And so he no was able way. to give me like why I bought the car, what color it was, you know, I drove it in these number of races and I've got like 80 photographs directly from Johnny himself of the car in period. So the, like the, the history is like, I'm a total nerd about this stuff, which is not a surprise. Oh yeah. No, uh, no, so having, great. having the history is really neat. It is. History is important. You want a you want a good story. You don't want any goofball dealers to have touched it. You know that you Correct. that you can't stand. <laughs> yeah. And you, and and I do find that uh, thinking about the old guy or old girl that had it kind of infuses the driving experience, especially when it comes to originality like this car right here. This is exactly. a beautiful car. Thank you. And that that's really where my head is right now. Is like my my very first really good original car was the the nine eleven. That was painted once, but original otherwise. And then I bought this Alfa Romeo Sprint Segato, which is that kind of like jelly bean looking thing. Uh, that is that was Johnny Bulgari's car. That is incredibly original. Like it ran Targa Florio three times and has the Targa Florio sticker on the windshield mm-hmm. still. And it was it was parked in Queens, Laurelton, Queens, right by JFK for like fifty years. Wow. Uh, and that car that car kind of changed me. I said, you know what? Like original cars is what I want now. And so when I was looking for the '67, I had to, I really wanted to find an original paint car. Uh, and and I did, and I have to say, it is it is super rewarding because of it, for sure. I, you know, let me ask you one more Zagato question. Does your uh, gas meter work? Uh, no, 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 it <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, so it, it it does go up and down, but like when it's totally full, it only goes up to about halfway. Oh, it, yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Is, your, is that what yours does? No, no, we fixed it. I, I don't does know it go how, all the way up when it's full? John Wilhoit, you heard the argument of maybe back and forth about what's what's better, true full or true empty. Zuckerman and I were arguing for a while, and Wilhoit. <laughs> He goes, no, I got it all. He somehow managed to engineer a fuel sender that that now we read true full and true empty and everything's fine. But yeah. I believe your the, the mechanic that built your car is different than ours. So you don't have any problem with the fuel tank and, and the breather spilling fuel anywhere. No, but I remember, I remember you or Zuckerman told me that you did right when you got the car, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, the, whoever bad. did ours lined the gas tank with the wrong liner, so on the first tank of gas, everything peeled off like a dilapidated apartment ceiling. It <laughs> just big ducks <laughs> and then clogged the engine. Now they're so Italian, you know? We we still have that. Maybe we should give away that gas tank on the show. We'll do it as a big giveaway, the Zagato shit gas tank. And then uh we fabricated a new one that is that's absolute perfection from uh from That's our friend, but it's tricky because it's that small trunk is really flat, so yeah, it's really hard to get a uh, a true read on that. I'm trying to think, were so, there any other little deals? Do you have any visibility, you know, issues with the rear view mirror? No, no, I don't, ours kind of looks down a little bit, but you're fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I just bent it up. Have you? What I was going to ask you, something that I've been like dying to do. Seinfeld has an A bar, does he not? Yeah, yeah. Have you have you gotten those two cars together? No, in fact, you gotta do that. in fact, uh, yeah, because Jerry hasn't really been out when we've had the car. We were just talking about this. He's gonna he's coming out in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, that's what we have to do. You're right. You got to do that, right? I mean, yeah, that, yeah, this yeah. is like the missing link to that car. Yeah, yeah. No, I I first want him to drive the car because yeah. he's one of the few people who's driven and owns everything. Right. And as you <laughs> right. know, yeah. this car. It has a unique driving experience. It's unique. Really it's, it, it has shades of 550, shades of, uh, of mid-60s, 356 SC. Reliable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so many different things at once and still works. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear what he says. I want his uh, 
review, which he won't would, tell me. The, he won't tell me the full truth. He'll be kind. <laughs> well, you know, you'll have to. Maybe I'll have to ask someone who knows him. What did he really say after that? <laughs> because he's a very polite. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but if I can, keep I mean, it's just when he's when he's driven everything. You know. It's yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he it's he loves the way it looks. He's really yeah. floored by the design of the car. Um, okay. The, the intri- okay. No, no. What? Tell me more. What about I was going to say is the, the the interesting thing about the Alpha, the Lancia, and and this car is what it really started to make me appreciate just aluminum body cars in general. Right. right. Like all all Zagatos are aluminum, and so I've had a, a normal three fifty six. Like this car is so much more fun to drive simply because it's that much lighter. Yeah, and small. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I had the same realization that aluminum is the way to go until the crash. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, watches. One yeah. quick watch question, and then I'm going to let you yes, go. Sir. Where sure. is, uh, since I am an enthusiast and I don't know the market, where's the excitement in the watch collecting market right now? Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it's look the a, a lot of like the you know the the basic bitch guys are still on like the Daytonas and the modern subs and the Nautilus and all that. Like all that is hot. And like I you know if you can get any of that stuff at retail, do it all day. Don't even think about it. Just put down a credit card. But I think what, what's really up and coming are watches from the like the '90s and early 2000s because like vintage is, was so hot. I mean like you know red hot, the Paul Newman craze, whatever. And that is so far beyond you know, approachable for 99% of humanity. Right. And then the Nautilus Daytona stuff you can't get unless you have a relationship with a dealer. And so it's like, now we're looking at all the stuff in between. So like, it's a little bit like how I see like supercars from the eighties and nineties really being hot right now. So similar thinking with watches. So like early, um, early, uh, Roger Dubuis watches and early watches from Daniel Roth from the nineties and early Longas, you know, Longa was kind of reborn in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that is, is really starting to take off just because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not through the roof already. Uh, and it's fun, and like there, there's still a lot of, of territory that that's uncharted yet. And I think uh, I think that'll be a, a lot of fun for a lot of people. And I think that was part of the thinking in Crown and Caliber is like this, like that's their stock and trade. It's like stuff that's not really vintage, that's not new either, but like kind of in that that gray area in between. And I, I think that is where a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun. You start, you're going to start to see like. You know, you're going to have nicknames for Submariners from 2006. You know, you're going to have a nickname for a Daytona <laughs> from like 1998 that like never existed before. Like we yeah, had Caprizi yeah. and Zenith and all that, but nothing beyond that. And now we're starting to see that a little bit with like the, the delineation of different marks in like, you know, 14270 Explorers and, and things like that. So I would say watches from the 90s through like, you know, um, 2010s. There you go. There yeah, there you have it. Ben Clymer. Congratulations yes, sir. on your big success at Hodinkee. Thank you, sir. I'm excited. I appreciate you have it. Lots and lots of money to buy cars. <laughs> Just know everything yeah. you send, Jerry, will come my way. And that goes <laughs> to Zuckerman. We so don't say anything that'll embarrass you because all of us are watching you very closely. <laughs> well noted. Sir. Great to catch up, Spike. Good to talk to you. We'll see you uh, when you make it out here. Okay. Take care. Well, that's it. back. <laughs> That's it, Zuckerman. <clears throat> what are we? What would you say we pause between that setup and? Uh, what's well, like one second, three and a half seconds yeah. at tops, as we we say goodbye to everyone. But it's nice to hear from Ben. He's gonna come hang out with us once this thing's over. It's almost over. You you're vaccinated. You're done. Yep. Hopefully, I'll have mine in the next few weeks. I'm gonna open it up to everybody. And and what do you think? Are we are we're playing variant roulette here? Do you think the variants come and destroy us again, or do you think we're all fine? I think we're fine. You do? Yep, I do too. I'm hopeful that this summer we'll have uh, maybe even get up to uh, Pebble Beach. The Roaring Twenties, Ferriston. You know the Audrain Concours in the fall wants us to come there and do a show. 
What do you think about that? If they're paying, I'm going. You know who's going to be in uh, Newport? Who? Swiggins and Peabody, my friend. Oh, we must <laughs> find them. <laughs> we could do a live Swiggins and Peabody. They said, well, who do you want to talk to? What kind of form do you want to do? And uh, yeah, I thought it. I didn't write it. but a The sw- most Swiggins-y people we yeah, could yeah, find. Yeah. We would have to put on the whale pants and the, the popped pink collars and the whole deal and go in and do Swiggins and Peabody. That would be fantastic. <laughs> right, right, right there where they were born. Anyway, it's good to chat with you all. Next week, I said, uh, we've got Mr. Jeremy Piven. Um, he bought a Tesla. He's going to tell us about that in his new movie. Uh, we'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.